I do want to just very quickly, before we get started, um, if, if you've come in and you got your sheet, awesome, we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. I, I do want to talk about the uh, United Retreat this weekend coming up. Um, we passed the, the sign-up sheet around the last several weeks, and you signed up. Um, so if you signed up, we're expecting you at some point, and, and Josh should have communicated to you if he's hoping you're staying as a counselor. Um, if you've signed up and you weren't communicated with, we've got a bunch of other things to do, uh, but don't expect to, to stay overnight. If you've got questions on any of those details, please just come hit me up. Um, if you are a brand new graduate, the 2020 COVID class, congratulations again. Um, we are asking that you just go as your last hurrah for Ignite, all right? Just go as a student, stay overnight in your cabin, be ministered to. Uh, I know several, several of you have expressed that you were full-fledged adults now and you're ready to be in the well, and we love that and appreciate that. Uh, but this, this is something that Josh has requested. I think Josh just can't let you go. I think that's probably, <laughs> probably what it is. No, uh, it, it's, it's going to be partially very helpful for the numbers of students that are there. If you guys are involved on that side, um, it's going to be a good thing all around. And so uh, we're just asking that you go, enjoy the retreat, be a part of it, play the games, memorize the verses, win whatever you win. I don't know. I've not been to camp. Um, do, do what you can do to, to uh, be a part of things the best you can, and again, enjoy it because, you know, this, this, is, this is the last thing, and then, you know, if you guys heard Vinny's message, when was that, a month, month and a half ago? Adulthood's terrible, if you ask Ben. I mean, it, that's the way he laid it out. Like, it's, it's bad stuff, so, so soak it up. It's, this is one last go, and, and it's going to be awesome, and so uh, be loved on, be ministered to, enjoy it. If you have a chance to, to minister to some underclassmen, man, do that. Take advantage of that um, and not having any other like key responsibilities to, to hold you back and, and sidetrack you. Make sure that you're investing uh, in somebody's life. So if you have any more specific questions about that, please let me know. Um, the starting time, we're, so this is Friday, Saturday, uh, and Sunday morning until 1 o'clock. Friday morning, the, the check-in time for the students, like Ignite and uh, Extreme, is going to be 9 o'clock. So if, if you can, if you're not working, I know a lot of you guys are working, that's fine. If you're available and you're signed up to help and all of that, um, try to be there between 8 and 8.30 a.m. Uh, Josh is going to give us kind of a run-through of some rules, some expectations, some kind of where to be and when, and uh, the schedule, all of that stuff will, will be available um, and we're going we're gonna to have that meeting at 8.30. So we're going to do that. We'll have some people ready for the, the sign-ins um, as people are coming in otherwise. Um, if you're available Thursday night, 4 o'clock, we're going to have a few things to set up. Um, if you want to join us and help us with that, please let me know because I'm not expecting a, a huge crowd of people to come help. If, if we have just a, a few here and there, that would be a big help. Um, to, to just get some of the games and some of the different things set up. We'll probably get the, the food out there and put away uh, all of that. Um, if, if you're not staying overnight, you still may want to bring like a change of clothes or something, if it's hot or if it rains or whatever. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what might happen, uh, but it might be a good idea to have something with you just in case. 
Um, and then, you know, the, the always no alcohol, no drugs, no tobacco, no fireworks, no firearms, no fun, no, oh, no, 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 <laughs> we're going to have fun. We're going to have lots of fun. It's going to be awesome. Um, and just so that I, I'm just going to say this out loud, I'll talk to probably several of you in person, but um, we're going we're gonna to have a lot of jobs that are just going to be thankless that are going to need to be done. Um, so I'm going to be on that crew. We're going to be the thankless crew and it's going to be awesome. We're going to keep the machine running. Like we'll, we'll clean everything that needs cleaned as many times as it needs cleaned. Set out chairs, tear down chairs, clean toilets, whatever, whatever needs done. I might have just scared some of you off with that one. But <laughs> like we're going to make sure that the camp runs and everybody else can do what everybody else needs to do. And, and the Lord's going to get the glory and it's going to be awesome. So uh, I, I do have, you know, a handful of, of needs like that. Um, there may be some downtime in between those, but, but we're going to need to keep that stuff up. So uh, I'll talk to, to some of you that were signed up uh, just to give you specifics in that. So that's all I have right now. If you have not signed up to help and you want to help, uh, come talk to me. If you can only help like one day. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Miss Jenny knows I forget stuff, so... Um, Anyways, if, if you can only help one day, just let me know what day that is, uh, what times, if it's just a por portion of the day, that's fine, totally fine. Um, we'll take what we can get, but uh, yeah, we'll just, we'll just have to figure it out. Yes, ma'am? Yeah, so... I can't remember what the meal time, the breakfast time was on Saturday. 8.30? Okay. So, <laughs> see, she knows all the stuff. I should have had you do the announcements. <laughs> um, so 8.30, Saturday morning will be breakfast. Be back then if you want to have breakfast with us. You don't have to, um, but th there may be some things that need, we need help setting up with, and, and we'll just eat after everybody else is done eating. Um, the, what was the other... End time. Oh, so we're going to have like worship at 6 and then the message at like 6.30, I think, is, is what the schedule's set up for. If you want to be a part of that, man, I would love for everybody to be able to go over and worship together and hear the messages. If you want to leave after that, if you want to leave before that, and you have to, whenever you've got to go, you go. But um, after the, the message is over, then they're going to go kind of have some cabin time. So if you're not assigned to a cabin, that would be, that'd be the time to, to jet out. That's a good question. Okay, anybody else? All right, Bruno, can we keep that on the recording in case somebody forgets or isn't here tonight? So, All right, okay, so with all of that being said, why don't you guys get your Bibles out? We're going to turn to Revelation chapter 4. We're only going to be there for a minute, but it's, it's just one of my favorite verses in all the world, in all the Bible, <coughs> in all the world, yeah, all of both. Uh, <laughs> it's one of my favorite verses. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. And, and I'll tell you why in just a minute. Last night, I was, I was uh, taking our dog out. Her name's Nala. She's kind of like the Lion King Nala or whatever. She kind of looks like a lion, but, but she's a dog. And uh, <clears throat> I took her out, and, you know, it was like the third, fourth time in a row. She was just irritating me. She wouldn't go. And I look over, and she's like, looking at the stars. Our dog, our dog was stargazing. And I thought, oh, how can you be mad at an annoying, disobedient dog like that? And, uh, 
I mean, she was just, it was just kind of cool. She's just checking out the stars. This morning, I got up earlier than, than most other days. It's kind of my normal Tuesday routine. Like, I, I begin each Tuesday knowing that, that I'm, I'm supposed to stand in front of you guys and say, you know, thus saith the Lord, and, and know what I'm talking about. Uh, so it's kind of a big deal, and so I, I try to start my Tuesday mornings a little extra early. I try to get up before any of the rest of the house does, for sure, and, and, and just kind of still my heart. And uh, took the dog out again. You know, she's just part of the story. Um, and I, I took her out, and man, everything was quiet. The sun wasn't quite up above the hill over here yet. Everything was wet from the dew. No cars driving by, and it was just peaceful. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I need, I need a nice, quiet moment every once in a while. You know, Nala had hers last night looking at the stars. I, I had mine this morning. And it was, it was just one of those things that, and, and I'm not all that sentimental normally, um, but I was looking around, man. It was like, you know, I hadn't checked Facebook or Twitter. I hadn't caught up on all the stupid stuff going on in the world. Hadn't been reminded about all the, the craziness and the politics. and It was just like, man, isn't it cool when you look outside and everything is doing what it was created to do? It was a cool moment. I was like, you know, the, the, the dew dropped on the grass last night like it was created to do. The, the birds were going bonkers this morning. I mean, they were loud. It was, it was just so cool. Nala was chasing bugs, and the bugs were doing what they were supposed to do. It was, it was just a cool moment. Like, and I started thinking of Revelation 4.11. Because it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And what an awesome verse that is. I... I go back to this verse all the time. I have these, every, every once in a while I have these moments, and, and that's the verse that pops into my head. Because everything he created was created for a purpose, and everything's doing its purpose except for one creation. And that's us. Now some of us, we, we do it and we do okay from time to time. But in general, the reason I didn't want to see Facebook and the reason I didn't want to see Twitter is because we as a people, are destroying ourselves. And we, as a people, have turned our back on God. And we're not heading towards Him like we ought to be. And we're not giving Him the glory and the honor and the power that He deserves from us for the reason He created us in the first place. That's what He wants from us. Everything is doing its part. And just this, the simple structure of a tree. I, I, I think I've said this before. Every branch is reaching out from under the branch above it. To do what? To get to the sun. That's what we ought to be doing. We ought to be reaching out from behind everybody else to get to the sun, to the sun of God. Right? There's a picture in everything. Everything's doing what it was created to do. And this is, you know, this is not a message about hugging trees or saving whales or climate control or any of that kind of stuff. You know, those are, those are stewardships and responsibilities that we probably should worry about sometime. But what we've been created to do is to seek to dwell 
in the presence of Almighty God. That's the way it's been from the very beginning. That was the intention from the very beginning, and we're walking away from him. We're missing it. I was going to talk about prayer tonight, but I thought, man, we'll, we'll cover some details of prayer tonight. I, I just couldn't do it justice by cramming everything that I wanted to communicate into one message. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at the Old Testament tabernacle again. We did this a couple of years ago. We called it Tiny House. It's God's mobile dwelling place, right? It, it's a picture of our relationship with the Lord. And there's one, one entrance on the one side, and at the other end, inside of this structure, this tabernacle, was the dwelling place of the very presence of God. He promised he would dwell with Israel in this structure, in this very specific structure, set up with these incredible pictures. And Israel was supposed to come to God. There was only one way in. And there was a process to follow to get to God. And all of Israel had to come to one man, and he had to follow this process on their behalf. And it's just an, it's an awesome picture. And, and before we get to prayer, if we don't talk about our approach to the presence of God, I think we're missing something. Because if, if we just go ahead and start praying and asking for stuff, just flippantly, because, you know, again, God, God's kind of our genie, and when we get in trouble, we just rub the lamp and Man, I get more than three wishes, so why wouldn't I? Man, we, we can't approach the presence of God this way and actually believe that we commune with the Lord. Because it's not about us, and it's never been about us. It's been about His glory and honor and power. He's worthy. He's worthy that we take notice that He's worthy and approach him in reverence before we just start going through our list of to-dos and, and wants and, and fears and failures. All of that stuff he wants. But we ought to approach it the right way. So let's go ahead and look at this tabernacle. Uh, I think, do we have a picture of just a portion of it? I had a couple of pictures. I think the, the one got forgotten. Uh, so this is the, the inner court, and that's the actual tabernacle Outside of this, that's not pictured in there, is a big brazen or a brass altar, which uh, you know animals would be sacrificed on. That's the first thing you see as you enter in. The next thing would be a brazen or a brass laver, which is a big washing pot. Um, and so let's let's go ahead and look at your sheet. We've got the brazen altar is the very first thing you come to. And the reason, or what this thing was used for, was for animal sacrifices. Right, and, and we enter in to this relationship with God in the first place because of Christ's sacrifice. And that's what the picture is. They would sacrifice a lamb on this altar, and Christ, what does John the Baptist call Christ when he sees him when he's baptizing people on the Jordan River? Anybody remember? The Lamb of God. He says, behold, the Lamb of God that does what? He takes away the sins of the world. All right? So this whole system, this whole tabernacle, is a picture of Christ in one way or another, or our relationship to Christ, or our approach to God through Christ. The only way you get into this tabernacle is by coming through the one entrance. The first thing you see at the entrance is this altar. 
You come in with a sacrifice. You come in because of a sacrifice, because of the sacrifice of Christ. Remember John 14, 6, it's not on your sheet or the, the screen. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, how? But by me. Right? He is the one way in. That sacrifice is that picture. Romans 6, verses 1 through 4 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So not only is, is Christ sacrificed for us, when you accept Christ's sacrifice for you, you are now identified in that death. So you come to God not with your priorities and your demands and your list of anything. You come to him dead, his servant. Because not only are you recognized in his death, you're recognized in his resurrection. He's given you everything. He's given you eternal life through that sacrifice. So we don't come with our will and our desires and our plans. We're, we're dead. We are sacrificed on that with him. The next thing that, that we come to is the brazen laver, and it was a big round uh, wash pot or a, a wash pool, and it had a, a, a circular rim around the bottom that was polished brass, polished to a mirror finish. And, and the, the high priest would go, and he would wash his hands, and he would wash his feet. And, and what this picture is, is us washing the filth of this world off of our hands and off of our feet. See, we're clean, we're, we're washed clean of our sins by the sacrifice that we already saw. But we walk around in this dusty, dirty, nasty world. The floor of the tabernacle, I don't know if you can see it in the picture, the floor was dirt. And so the, the great, the, or the high priest would walk around and he would do the sacrifice and he would, you know, get the animals from the, the people and all the while he's getting blood on his hands and he's getting dirt on his feet. And that's like what happens to us when we walk around in the world. Right? You go to work and your coworkers talk filth and you get it on you. And you get on Facebook and, and you read filth and you get it on you. And you think things that don't line up with what God says, and it's all over you. And you've got sin on your hands, and the filth of this world on your feet, and you need to wash it off. Right? And that, that's what's pictured for us here. Ephesians 5, 26 and 27 says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water. How? By the word. God's word is how you wash the filth of this world off. That he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. See, because if, if that priest is going to enter into that tabernacle, he can't have any of that filth on him. You can't go and believe that you're going to stand for a holy God with all of that mess on you. You've got to wash that off first. You've got to get in the Word and start agreeing with what God says about how you're thinking. You need to agree with what God says about what is right and what is wrong and what is true and what is not. 
And you need to wash that stuff off with what God says. The bottom of it, I said, was, was polished to a mirror finish, and it's like James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25. It says, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Have you ever, back when I had hair, I would, I would look in the mirror, you know, get up, brush my teeth, whatever, and sometimes there'd be what my wife calls a rooster, you know, there's like a, a chunk of hair sticking up, and I would forget to, you know, press that thing down or whatever, and, and I'd be heading out the door, and she's like, hey, you got a rooster. I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm just like this guy. I looked in the mirror, and I knew that was the case, and I still was going to walk, because I was an engineer, and we don't care about this. But I was still going to walk away not having done anything about it. He says, it's like you behold yourself in a glass and straightway, right away you forget what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So he starts out by talking about the, the word, and he transitions to the work. How do you wash yourself? How do you know you need to clean yourself? How do you know you need to take care of yourself? You look in the book, and it shows you what you look like. And you start saying, oh, you know what? Yeah, I, I don't line up with that. Lord, would you help me with that? Would you help me to think that way instead of the way that I naturally think? It's, it's about taking captive the thoughts that that fight against what? The knowledge of God. The knowledge he provides you and the knowledge of who he is. The brazen labor is so that we can wash before we go into asking the Lord anything, telling the Lord anything. We've got to be in agreement with him. So then we step into the first curtain and we'll what we see in there is the candlestick that's the big candelabra thing there or whatever. I don't remember what exactly. Is that menorah? Is that the word? Yeah. I think so. I'm not Jewish and I, I don't ever remember the Jewish term for it because I don't think that's in the, I don't think that's called that in the scripture. So it's just called the candlestick. So the candlestick, the, the job of the candlestick is to illuminate the, the whole room because otherwise it's pitch black. The candlestick for us pictures the Holy Spirit, and it illuminates the Word of God. John 14, 26 says, The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. Right. So what I have said to you, that's Jesus Christ speaking, he being the Word of God, the words he speaks are the Word of God. The Spirit's job is to call to remembrance and to illuminate God's Word. John 15, 26 talks about the same thing. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. The Comforter is also referred to as the Spirit of truth. Right? The, the Word of God and the Spirit of God always, always, always agree 100% of the time. He's going to teach you what he means. 
by, by comparing spiritual things with spiritual things, by comparing Scripture with other Scripture. He's going to illuminate the truth for us. He's going to shine light on the Word of God. And just across the room, we see the table of showbread. And, and this is the table with, with bread laying on it and, it, and it's a picture of the Word of God. The Word sustains us. So this is the, the Spirit shining light on what? It's shining light on the Word. There's several places in Scripture that show a comparison of the Word of God with different kinds of food. Uh, in this instance, it's, it's bread. And we see the comparison in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. It says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So how do you do that? Well, you've got to be able to see what you're eating. You've got the candlestick. You've got the Holy Spirit shining light and illuminating what it is you're reading. The, the book of 1 Corinthians says that this book is spiritually discerned. That means if, if, if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior and the Spirit of God does not dwell inside of you, it's just a, a history book that doesn't make much sense to you. It's just a book that has a lot of old weird stories that don't really mean anything to you. But when the Spirit of God is inside of you, He starts agreeing with what you're reading. And He starts pointing things out. And He starts feeding you. And He starts to sustain you with the bread, which is the Word of God. And so here we have in this otherwise dark room a relationship with God. You've, you come in from out in the world, you've cleaned yourself up, you, you agree with what He says, you've, you've washed the sin off your hands, you've dealt with it. 1 John 1, 1.9, if any man confess, right, the Lord is faithful and just to forgive. You've dealt with those things. And now you're going to come in and you're going to commune with the Lord. You're going to get into his word and you're going to ask him to teach you something. You're going to ask him to show you something. I need, I need to see something today, Lord. I, I need you to, to communicate to me. If you've ever just read and read and read and read and not gotten anything out of it, you might be tired. It's possible. You might have sin in your life that you need to deal with. And God's waiting for you to deal with it before he shows you something new. It's possible. It's not always the case, but it's possible. The next thing that's in that room is the altar of incense. So outside we have the altar of, of sacrifices. And inside there's another altar, a smaller one. And in this altar of incense, they would burn incense and it would create a smoke and a, a smell in the room. And this is a picture of our prayers to the Lord. Our prayers to the Lord. Again, I said we would talk a little bit about prayer. We'll, we'll get into it much deeper next week, but the altar of incense, incense is, is this picture. Um, in Ephesians 6, there, this is the place we always go when we talk about spiritual warfare and fighting against the, the spiritual wickedness in this world. It's, it's the armor of God. Right? You guys all know the, the armor of God. It says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with the truth, the word of God. Having on the breastplate of righteousness from the word of God. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, word of God. Above all, taking the shield of faith, Wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Did you know 
that prayer is probably, likely, your greatest weapon? I mean, we've got, the, we've got the Bible, we've got the Word of God, we've got the sword of the Spirit. But he includes prayer in there. You know, when I was a kid, it was, you know, we had the gospel shoes and we had the, the belt and the helmet and the sword and the shield. But I don't remember ever talking about prayer. Because we kind of stop when it, when it gets to that end of verse 17. But that's a colon there, that's not a period. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, Paul says, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know what the greatest weapon we have against the enemy is? Taking souls for Jesus Christ. And you do that through prayer. Begging for opportunities and open doors and utterance and boldness to speak. All the while, you better have the rest of the gear. <laughs> you got to have the sword. You got to have the shield. You got to have the helmet. It's a complete package. But if we're going to make a dent, if we're going to make a difference in our community for Christ, and we're not going to pray, don't waste your time. Because you're 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 not even fully kitted. You're not ready to go. Revelation 5.8 talks about the odors that, that the Lord smells from the, the uh, incense. 5.8 says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. So the prayers of the saints rise up to the Lord as a, as a sweet smell that he enjoys. In chapter 8 of Revelation, verses 3 and 4 says, Another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And this, this altar of incense is a picture of our prayers to the Lord. And the, the priest would light this incense, and the, the smoke would fill that room and the next room where the presence of God dwelt. The presence of God was on the other side of what is called the veil. And this is where we enter into what the Bible calls the holiest the holy of holies, or the holiest place. The veil separated the high priest from the very presence of God. It was actually a protection for him. right? Until, until this whole process that he was going through was completed, this purification process, he wasn't ready to go behind the veil. They, they actually had, his garments had little bells sewn on the bottom of, of his, his gown that he would wear. And you could hear him walking back and forth when he was behind the curtain. And he had a rope tied around his ankle. Because if the bell stopped ringing, it was because that guy did something he shouldn't have done. And the presence of God stopped him dead. And they would have to pull him out. Because he didn't do the process right. 
Because the presence of God cannot, will not dwell in the midst of sin. It's, it's just the, the facts of how it is. So we had to go through this whole process the right way. And just in case, I mean, you can't leave a carcass in that holiest place either. You've got to get that guy out of there. You've got to pull him out and start over. Only the high priest could enter, only once per year, and only if he followed the rules perfectly. The great thing is, that's not the story anymore. Right? Christ, our great high priest, as it says in Hebrews, he's changed everything when he went to the cross. Mark 15, 38 says, The veil of the temple was rent or torn in twain, or two, <laughs> a couple of fancy old words, rent in twain from the top to the bottom, signifying that God ripped that thing in half. When his son paid for our sins that he couldn't coexist with. But now we can be made clean. And now we can enter in. We don't have to worry about doing everything perfectly. But that doesn't mean we should do it flippantly. The ark and the mercy seat are the, the last things beyond the veil. And this is where the presence of Almighty God dwelt. And so everything started out in creation, in the midst of the presence of God. You guys know that? Genesis 3.8 says, They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. They were in the perfect environment. They were perfect. They were sinless. And then they chose to sin, and because of that sin... They hid from the presence of God. They, were, they, were, they started perfect in the presence of God. It was their sin that, that pushed them out. We see the same thing in Genesis 4.16 when Cain kills his brother. It says Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Right? God, after Adam and Eve had sinned, God made a way for them to come back into his presence. It was no longer in the garden. It was no longer in that that scene, it was a different setup, but, but they could come back to his presence. They could come back to him. God is continually making a way for us as mankind to come into his presence. The way that we do that today is through Jesus Christ and through his word and through agreeing with him and walking with him and, and having him show us what it is we're supposed to be living. Exodus 25, 22. Here's the purpose of this tabernacle. It's, it's the same purpose, but it's a little bit different because it was just for Israel. This is the way he decided he was going to dwell with his people. He says, I will meet thee there, or meet with thee, and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony, of all things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. His goal was to commune and dwell in the middle of all the people. That, that tent, that tabernacle, was positioned in between all of the tribes. There's 12 tribes. There was three on the north, three on the south, three on the east, and three on the west. They surrounded the presence of God. He dwelt in the midst of them. That's the picture. He wants to dwell in you, in your life, 
And you have access to come into his presence anytime you want. Leviticus 16.13 gets us back to the incense. He shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. If he skips that step, the bells aren't ringing. Right? He's got to fill that room with smoke. He's got to get on his knees, basically. That's the picture. We get on our knees and, and we pour our heart out to the Lord. And that sweet smell of prayers fills his nose as we enter into his presence. The high priest would take blood from the sacrifice. He would put it on his right ear, on his right thumb, and on the big toe of his right foot, signifying that that sacrificial lamb covered him from head to toe. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, covers you from head to toe. You're covered. You, you get to come into his presence when you desire. You don't have to fear that if you didn't pray first, he's going to zap you dead. But if you actually think that you're going to come away with an experience with God, again, taking it not serious, taking it flippantly, and we, we, we're fooling ourselves. This guy would take a coal from the original altar out where the lamb was sacrificed. He would bring that in. That's, that's the coal. That's the fire he would use. And he would put the incense on that. It's all connected to the, the sacrifice of the lamb. He would burn that, it would fill the room, and then he would enter into the holiest place. I've got a couple more verses and, and we'll finish up. Ephesians chapter 3 says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. If you understand the holiness of God, if you understand this whole process, if you understand what it used to take and what it pictures, and how serious it was to do it right. That boldness is not arrogance. That boldness is not being flippant. It takes boldness to enter into the presence of Almighty God. Because He's so much holier than I am. He's so much greater. He shouldn't even consider that I exist, but He does. I owe him reverence when I approach him. He is worthy. If you understand his holiness, if you understand who he is, if you understand the name that we were talking about last week, it requires great boldness to even step toward him. But he wants us to. Because he gave us access so that we can have confidence because we have faith in Christ. And we'll end with Hebrews 10, 19. It says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. He made a way. Again, what I'm, what I'm afraid of is that we've mistaken the ability to boldly enter for entitlement. If there's one thing that marks our generation, I know you guys are younger generation than I am, I'm just going to include us all that are alive right now. Our generation 
believes we're entitled to a whole lot, especially here in America. We act as though it's owed to us. And that is arrogance. And if that is your approach to God, I, I, I just don't, I can't, I can't imagine you coming away with having any experience with the Lord. Because, because when you enter into this scenario, you're going to come away different. John chapter 3, verse 30, John the Baptist says, He must increase and I must decrease. If you've come into the presence of God and come away with more of yourself, you weren't where you think you were. You, you didn't experience God. Because you don't come into his presence and come away selfish. It's just not how it works. He's given us an inheritance. He's made us part of his family. The boldness is something we're supposed to have. But it's not an arrogance. It's not entitlement. It's not a flippant attitude. It's reverence and appreciation that me, of all people, knowing what a mess I am, get, I get to enter the presence of the holiest of the gods. I get to come and see him. I get to come to him with my worries and my fears and my problems and my desires. I get to do that. Why wouldn't we, bo why wouldn't we boldly take advantage of that? We have a certain amount of entitlement. We have a title. We are sons and daughters of God. And we have great blessings in that. But don't forget, it's not because you're so special. <laughs> it's because of him. It's because he's done everything. He had everything and he gave everything so that he could have all of you. All of me. So why did we just go through this whole thing? We did all of that because I, I want us to see what our prayers actually are. I could have gotten up here and said, you know, if we're going to reach the lost, we've got to pray. And you would have said, amen. You would have agreed with me and it would have been great. Some of you believe it enough that you actually do it, and that's awesome. Prayer's important. Yeah, it is. Amen. But how quickly do you turn your ears off when you don't see it the way God sees it? Your prayers are part of your approach to the presence of God. And shame on me if I do it the same from here on out. Let me just say one more thing. We'll finish with this. If, if we begin to fulfill our purpose here, we're going to be like all of the rest of creation around us. Can you put that Revelation 4.11 back up? We're going to be like that. And when we're like that, we're, we're going to be in harmony with those birds singing their heart out this morning. Right. Praising the Lord with our lives, with our sacrifice, with our prayers, with our approach to Him. And everybody's going to see it and think, man, I needed to see that. That was real. But there's one creation that's not going to be okay with that. God has a very real enemy. We have a very real enemy. And as soon as you start making a difference, 
and you start impacting lives, he, he doesn't care if the birds glorify God. He doesn't care if the grass grows and does what it was created to do. He cares about a kingdom. He cares about attacking the Lord's kingdom. And when you start to do what you were created to do, you start impacting that kingdom. And you start taking souls for Jesus Christ and for his glory, and that kingdom grows, and Christ gets more credit, and Satan doesn't. And he hates the Lord, and he hates us. And if we aren't praying, we don't stand a chance when he comes after us. There was a time when I, I, I struggled badly with some individuals that, that invested in me a lot when I was a younger believer. And somewhere along the line, they, they walked away from the Lord. And I still, to this day, I can't figure it out. It, it blows my mind. And I talked to Jeff and said, man, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. I, I just can't, I can't make sense out of it. I'm still doing the things they taught me to do. I still believe the things they taught me to believe. I'm, I'm living these things and they're real. This is, they were right. What are they doing? He said, I'll tell you one thing, Matt. The closer you are to the Lord, the closer you are to the devil. And I said, well, thanks a lot, Jeff. That was terrible. <laughs> because when you make a difference, when you glorify the Lord, when your life is what he's called you to do and be, and you serve him and he receives glory and honor and power because of you, the enemy's going to take notice. And we need each other praying for each other. And we need to be approaching with reverence the presence of God so that he'll stand on my behalf when I can't handle it. Because let me just tell you, there's a lot I can't handle. We need to figure this thing out. We can't waste any more time not fulfilling our purpose. It's just too important. His name is worthy. And he's done too much for us to sit around and just expect that he keep doing it. He bought me with a price, and whatever he says goes. I'm all in. You guys join me? Let's pray. Father, you do. You deserve all praise. And we know that one day it is coming. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. King of all kings. Lord of all lords. But that day hasn't happened yet. But we can choose now. But as we make that choice, Lord, oh, what a scary thought that, that the enemy might, might try to stop us. And it sounds great when it's, when it's all romanticized and what awesome things we could do for the Lord, but, but what if the enemy noticed? Lord, we need you. We, we need you in every aspect of our lives. People look at us and they say that you're a crutch and, and they couldn't be more right. I need you to hold me up. I need you to help me walk. I need you to help me see this world for what it actually is. I need you to wash my hands with your word and clear my mind with your word. 
I need you to illuminate your truth in my life. Lord, we need you to open doors for us, and we need you to give us boldness. And we're begging for protection in this crazy upside-down world. We're asking for protection from COVID, from politics, from all of the mess that, that we know is absolutely a movement of the enemy to stop you and to stop the church. Lord, we need you. And we're, we're here begging for you to help us so that we can fulfill our, our mission, so that you would receive glory from our lives. We love you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.